In this episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast, uh, this is part two of Animal Therapy. If you didn't listen to part one, jump back an episode wherever you're listening, whatever platform you're listening on, jump back an episode, listen to part one, you'll be caught up to where we are now. But we're talking about animal slash pet therapy uh, and finishing this up. And and we're making some very important distinctions now between labels or titles of, of what therapy pets, uh, therapy pets, and terminologies, because these are very important because I'm going to give you some resources if it's something that you would like to, to be able to, to, to either, one, qualify your pet, or two, find an actual therapy pet for yourself. And as usual, we're giving away a bunch of free stuff. Hang in there, folks. We'll be right back. Get ready for the Motor City Hypnotist, David R. Wright, originating from the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. He has hypnotized thousands of people from all over the United States. David R. Wright has been featured on news outlets all across the country and is the clinical director of an outpatient mental health and hypnosis clinic located just south of Detroit, where he helps people daily using the power of hypnosis. The Motor City Hypnotist, David R. Wright. What is going on, my friends? It is David Wright, the Motor City Hypnotist, and we are back with another episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast. Thanks, folks, for joining us here, whether you're listening on audio or you're with us on Facebook Live. Thank you for coming in. We are here in the podcast, Your Voice, Southfield Studios, and it's a Monday evening, and uh, we're recording a podcast. Um, with me is Jason. He's running the f- stuff behind the scenes, so I appreciate you being here, Jason. No, Matt's Matt's taking a... He, Matt had to work, so, so so Matt's busy, in case you guys are... are you, miss, you miss Matt's voice uh, chiming in here and there, but uh, that's okay. Uh, good luck, Matt. Hope you, you get everything done that you need to this evening. So again, folks, thanks for joining me. Let me tell you, first of all, where you can find me. My website is MotorCityHypnotist.com. And as I said uh, at the beginning of last episode, uh, it, it's in the reworks, and just keep a keep a lookout for that. I don't want to go too much into that because it may happen. It may happen soon. It may happen later. But just keep a lookout for that. You can find me on social media. Facebook and YouTube are both Motor City Hypnotist, and on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat are all Motor City Hypno, and that is H Y P N O. And as usual, as we do every episode, I should just record this part, uh, we're giving away a free hypnosis guide. It's a two-page PDF that I wrote. It kind of explains the basics of of hypnosis, how and why it works. It clears up a lot of myths and misconceptions. And again, that link is always in the show notes. So whatever, whatever show note you're listening to or whatever episode you're on, just click into the show notes. That link will be right on with all the other links to my, my social media and my website. And just click that and you can download your free hypnosis guide. And here's the most important thing. Wherever you're listening, whatever platform, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Audacity, whatever it is, um, or uh, I, I think there's a new one, but there's tons of them out there. We're on all of them. We're on all the platforms. So wherever you're listening, either connect, subscribe, join, like, whatever it is on your platform that connects you with our podcast. That way, every time a new episode drops, it will come right to you. You don't have to look for it. 
And here's the most important thing. Wherever you're listening, please leave a review. Reviews are, of course, helpful to, to other people that will come in and look and see, hey, is this any good? And if there are reviews, that gives them more of a reason to jump in and listen. And of course, we want to build our audience. That's the whole kind of purpose of doing this is to get more people to listen. And that way we can help more people along the way. So I would greatly appreciate that. That would be fantastic. So let's start out with our winner of the week. That's how winning is done. So this this episode's winner of the week. Actually, there there's there are two of them because they're together. Now um, I know I'll, I'm going to geek out a little bit, uh, not too much. I mean, we're not we're not going way off the uh, the end, but um, there was a uh, a Comic Con in New York, and there was a there was a uh, uh, a couple of people reunited that hadn't been together in a long time. I think 37 years after the release of their movie. Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future were reunited over the weekend, 37 years after the release of the sci-fi comedy Back to the Future. The pair, who respectively starred as time-traveling high school student Marty McFly in the eccentric Doc Emmett Brown in the 1985 blockbuster and its two sequels, appeared together at New York Comic Con on Saturday to speak on a panel about the modern classic's legacy. Lloyd... 83 made sure to document the moving moment by sharing a picture of the pair embracing on stage at Comic-Con on his Instagram stories. The caption read, Thank you, New York Comic-Con. You were wonderful. The event made for a reunion of epic proportions, and fans couldn't contain their excitement after footage and photos of the beloved duo began circulating online. Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd reunited at Comic-Con as all the wholesome content you need on a Sunday, one person tweeted. Another wrote, if you were a teenager in 85, then Michael J. Fox was your guy. Marty McFly in Back to the Future is the coolest teenager in cinema history. Watching him hug Christopher Lloyd is so beautiful. Meanwhile, Fox is set to be honored by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences at this year's Governor's Awards, for his contributions to film and his efforts to help cure Parkinson's disease. The 61-year-old star, who was diagnosed with the disease in 1991 at the age of 29, founded the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research in the year 2000. He will receive the Academy's Gene Hersholt Humanitarian Award at the event scheduled for November 19th. So that's kind of cool. Um, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd reuniting on stage. And that, that's, that's a, yeah, it takes us back a bit. Um, it's, it's funny because I, I would think, and I'm not saying this to be, to be weird, but Christopher Lloyd looked old back then. He's just now 83. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how that works. No! No! Don't shut me up! Yeah, it just, uh, it's crazy. Um, and, and just side note for those, uh, those movie geeks that are out there. I just rewatched or part of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest over the weekend, or maybe it was last weekend. Uh, but th- those of you who know that movie, you know Christopher Lloyd was one of the patients in the in the psych ward with Jack Nicholson goes in. Um, again, a lot of lot of big names in that one that people look back and say, "Oh my gosh, look look, look how young he looked." So yeah. Um, so anyway, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, winners of the week for sure. 
Yes, it is. Absolutely. So, back to it. So, folks, we're talking, we're on part two of animal pet therapy. So, um, again, if you haven't listened to part one, you could jump back or just catch it after this one. I don't want you leaving just because you're here now. But um, but we were talking about the history of animal pet therapy. Like, uh, And, again, I know it's, it's, it's been in existence in some form or another since animals and people have, have come, you know, been together. Um, but it really hasn't been been studied or, or any research has been done on it uh, until the last 30 or 40 years. Um, again, I mentioned that in the 80s was the first time that nursing literature began to focus on pet therapy. And then we talked about all of the things that it addresses, that it helps with, such as stress levels, blood pressure, pain, fatigue, anxiety, fear, isolation, loneliness. So we went through all of those things, but in, and I ended last episode by saying there, there's some very specific terminology regarding therapy animals. And I want to make sure that I go over these because I think it's important for you to know because we have, a, a, you know, as I run my clinic every day, we have a lot of, I told you, we have a lot of clients who, who have animals. They have dogs, they have rabbits, they have cats, you know, what, whatever animal they have. And many of them come to therapy and, and they ask, sometimes they will ask me or another therapist in our practice, hey, can you write me a letter so that I can, my animal can be an emotional support animal? You know, w- with the thought that they, they, they need their dog or they need their bunny to be able to fly or to travel or to do something else. So, so that does come up so, so, you know, every so often. But, but I want to make sure that, that I, I've, I'm, I'm going to cover these terms because they're three distinctly different things. The first one are therapy dogs or therapy animals. Therapy dogs, and I'm going to use dogs, I'm going to use the term dogs because that's just the general term for it. Therapy dogs are trained to provide social or therapeutic interaction with various populations in need of emotional, physical, or psychological support. Therapy dogs are not included under the American Disabilities Act. Petting and contact are what therapy dogs are all about. So I mentioned um, in my son's middle school, they would have the dog Joe that would come in and greet the kids and let them pet her and everything. That was a therapy dog. That was just there to have help them interact and have positive interactions, make the kids feel good, make the dog feel good. Uh, but, but a therapy dog is not covered under the American Disabilities Act. Just keep that in mind, and then we're going to go through these other terms, and we'll put it all together. The next category are service dogs. And again, it could be service, typically they're dogs. Service dogs are trained to perform specific behaviors to assist an individual owner with activities of daily living. These dogs have access to public places and transportation under the American Disabilities Act. Petting service dogs are discouraged while they are assisting their owners. So, so see the distinction there. The first one was a therapy dog. That is just about making a patient feel good and giving them something positive and having some positive interaction they're they're not allowed to necessarily go on on flights or to go into public places or go into restaurants service dogs however are service dogs are covered under the american disabilities act and the best way that i can make this distinction between those two things is service dogs are specifically trained to help people with some sort of disability whether it's blindness whether it's somebody that that has um, um, 
uh, limited use of limbs where they can't do things for themselves. Service dogs are trained to, sp- to perform specific tasks to help their individual. Typically, service dogs are trained and then given to their owners. So, so it's not something that an owner goes and buys a dog or goes to the pound or goes to the Humane Society and picks up a dog. That would not be a service dog. Service dogs are trained specifically to perform a function. So those dogs can fly without any issues. They can go into public places like a Target or a mall because the, the, the owners have to have the dog to operate, to function normally. The third term is emotional support dogs. Now, emotional support dogs provide affection and companionship for individuals with various mental or emotional conditions. An emotional support dog is not trained to perform specific behaviors to assist with a disability. Emotional support dogs are not included under the American Disabilities Act. So so we've made three statements here, or three categories. Therapy dogs, service dogs, and emotional support dogs. Service dogs are the only category that are covered under the American with Disabilities Act. So here's, here's kind of the rub on this, and, and it's not to scold or lecture a lot of people out there, but, but we have a lot of clients who, who, who seem to think that because they need their dog emotionally, that it's automatically should be allowed to fly or go to public places. That's not the case. In order for your dog to go wherever you need them to go or wherever you would want them to go, it has to be a service dog. And again, service dogs are trained to perform specific function for somebody with a disability. So I want to make sure we're, we're clear on these because we do get a lot of clients requesting these things. Now, as far as the emotional support dogs, I as a therapist, I can write a letter and state my opinion that you know this client, uh, June Jones, I'm making a name up there, um, requires her her pet uh, to help her with her anxiety, especially when she's out in public and crowds. I can write a letter like that and she can present that to something like, like um, for example, I'll, I'll give you a specific example. I had a client who wanted to fly with her dog because she, she was very, very nervous about flying. She was very, you know, anxiety ridden about taking a flight. So I wrote her a letter. She had to present that to the airline. The airline had to approve it prior to her flight. It's not something she could just walk on with this letter and, and be assured that they would let her get on the flight with her dog. So that had to be done ahead of time through the airlines, and every airline is different. Some will accept it, some will not. So just just keep that in mind. You, you, you can get a letter from a therapist or a professional, if a doctor, stating that you have need of this pet to help you with your emotional issue, whether it be anxiety, depression, fear of flying, whatever it is. But there's no guarantee that whatever, you know, whatever organization you're traveling with is going to accept that. All right? So let me go back to people's responses when, the, when we're talking about a therapy dog during a session. So that would be a session where you come into my office, you sit down on, 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 on my couch in my office, I sit down on the other couch, and you have a dog in your lap. Even if it's not yours, it could be another dog. It could be a dog. Um, I know a lot of places, um, ours does not right now, they have a dog that actually hangs out in the office all day. And, and that dog will sit with different clients. Now, again, that dog has to be well-trained. 
But these are the responses of people who had dogs or, or other animals with them during therapy. Participants said they felt comforted. There was a perception of the dog as being accepting and non-judgmental. Now, I, I will say as a therapist, I would hope that people feel that way with their therapist, but sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes they don't feel accepted and they feel judged sometimes. And again, I know that should never happen. Although, not all therapists are great therapists. I'll just be honest about that. So again, with a dog, their perception was the dog was being accepting and non-judgmental. Participants said they developed a special relationship to the dog. The dog provided a connection to the therapist. So it's kind of like a, what I'd like to call maybe like an intermediary, an intermediary between the therapist and the client that 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 dog is is kind of the common denominator there and and it, and it just kind of helps everybody feel good uh participants participants perceive the dog as loving participants describe the dog's role in therapy as relaxing and comforting the distractions caused by the dog were found to be needed breaks. Now think about this. Like a dog sometimes, if they're even if they're well trained, at some point they have to use the bathroom or they might want to get a drink of water or something. So that didn't interfere with the therapeutic process. When the dog needed a break, it was okay for the the, the patient and, and the therapist to take a break. So it was just kind of a natural thing that'd be like, okay, yeah, let's take a break for a minute and we'll come back and continue on. And here's, here's, the, here's the big statement that, that I, I, really it doesn't surprise me. The, the participants said they trusted the dogs more than humans. <laughs> Think about that statement. They trusted the dogs more than humans. <laughs> I mean, if that's not enlightening, I mean. <gasps> oh, great Odin's raven. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I get it. I, I get and, and And I know. I'm not going to get off on a whole soapbox thing here, but, you know, there are a lot of crappy things happening in the world, and you see news stories, and yeah, it's it's easy to say, yeah, I'm not, I trust my dog more than most humans out there. It's just kind of a sad thing, you know. I dogs dogs can't be well. Some dogs can be mean in general, but in general, dogs are loving if you treat them right. Dogs love you. They love you unconditionally. They don't judge other people. It, it's it's just you know sometimes that's 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 what we want from humans that we don't get sometimes so um, so I'm gonna go through and I'm 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 gonna go through the list the top four therapy animals now believe it or not it's not just dogs the top four therapy animals and and I'll, I'll go from one I'll go from you know what we already know one is dogs so I'll give that one away. Two is not something you would typically think of. So two, I want you to think on a bigger scale, even something you might ride. Horses are the second most, <laughs> which seems kind of weird because you can't bring a horse into your office. I mean, I guess you could, but that would be a little bit tricky. But there are, some, there are a lot of programs that use horses as therapy animals. Um, they what they do is they have programs where people come and they learn to groom horses they learn to take care of them in some instances they learn to ride them so there's a lot of a lot of therapy in a lot of equine facilities that facilitate psychotherapy especially addiction centers that have land and have space to do this 
So yeah, horses are number two, which which I found surprising. But when I put it in the in the context of what they're telling me here, that makes perfect sense. Three is cats. Now, I'm not a huge cat fan. Um, <laughs> I'm I mean I ain't listening to you no more. I mean I, I I don't hate cats, but I would I would never own a cat as a pet. That's just my preference. I, I just you know I just. <laughs> It's just not my bag. Um, I've always, I, you know, I had a dog growing up. I always had dogs growing up. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just my own personal preference. You know, that's just no, no, <laughs> don't shut me up. But cats are number three, and a lot of people have great relationship with cats. And good for them. That's awesome. Less <laughs> yeah, they are less maintenance. That's for sure. I mean, I mean, that is the plus thing because because I know in. I, I I don't know if you do you have do you have pets, Jason? No, I don't. No, you don't. Okay, so was, we have a dog. I was raised with a lot of them. Though. Okay, okay, you're raised with pets. Yeah. So so my my wife and I all often say this. Hey, let's you know it'd be great to go away for the weekend. Then we're like, oh, when we get with the dog, yeah, you can't leave the dog alone for three or four days. You know, it, it just you just can't do it. So it's always it's always a challenge. Okay, we either have to board him or arrange care. But yeah, you're right. Cats can cats are self sufficient. You know, pretty much they say, F you, I'll take care of myself. You can go and do what you want, you know. So number four on the list, and, and again, I mentioned this one earlier in the episode, rabbits. Rabbits are small, smaller. Sometimes you can get, uh, there, there, are, there are species of these larger rabbits, and I don't know what they're called, but um, I'm not a rabbit expert. But rabbits are number four on the list as far as therapy animals. So, so, this can be very effective, especially for people going through things like anxiety and depression or PTSD. Um, animal therapy can, can be a very effective tool to use for you. So you're so you might be out there saying, "Well, yeah, but how how do I how do I use it, or how do I get it, or how do I get involved with this?" So I know our podcast where we we record and where my office is is in the Detroit area. So so what I would recommend if you're outside of that radius do an internet search in your area for ther- uh, uh, pet therapy services or or animal therapy services. But I have a I have a few names and I'll put these in the show notes so that you can check them out if you're here in the Detroit area. One is called Pet Therapy Program for Inpatient Treatment. I don't know if that's a substance abuse treatment or not, but it's at Stonecrest Center, and that's in this area. Um, the second one is Go Team Therapy Dogs Metro Detroit, and they have a Facebook page. If you just go to Go Team Therapy Dogs, you'll find their Facebook page. They have a lot of information there. Uh, a third facility is Therapause. That's T-H-E-R-A Pause of Michigan. And then another one that I found um, uh, looks like a, a very, a very um, involved or, or good program is the Sally and Bob Goldman Therapy Dog Program, and that's located in Detroit. So I'll put those the, the references for these in, in the show notes, and you'll probably have to do a little bit of research to find out what might work for you, whether it's something that, that uh, you know, because again, I know a lot of facilities that might be inpatient facilities, and maybe you're just looking to do outpatient therapy with a therapist. Um, so I would check that out. Check out those resources, and and um, I'm sure they would be able to direct you somewhere where that might be something that you can do. So speaking of animals, let's look at our 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 Detroit 
animal rescue dog or animal for today. Happen to be dogs again. I know. I will put a cat on cat lovers. Don't worry. I'm not. I'm going to shut you out. If there's a cat at the at the shelter, we're, we'll put them in here too. Uh, but our but our dog for this episode is named Vader, and there's a picture of Vader. And uh, he is right now at the Detroit Animal Rescue. Vader is a, uh, he's called a flat coat retriever mix. Not quite sure what that means. He's fairly large. He is dog friendly. It's unknown if he is cat friendly. So we might not want to test that. And they say he is kid friendly ages eight and above. So if you have teenagers, you're probably good with that. He's a male. And uh, they do list his size as large, so make sure that you can be, uh, you know, be able to. He doesn't look that big in the picture, though. But I'll, I'll show Vader again. For those of you on Facebook Live, you can see a picture of Vader. Vader is one, Vader needs a home, so check him out at the Detroit Animal Shelter. And those of you who are not in the Detroit area, I know I'm 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 using these because it's right in our area. But check out the shelters around your homes, and I know. Um, there's there's so many there's so many shelter dogs that need homes um so i and i and i would yeah i would highly encourage you to 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 do your research make sure it's right for you but yeah adopt adopt a dog from a shelter um you know they they just they just want a loving home just like you would so uh, so yeah vader is our animal shelter dog for this episode so, folks, that is it for pet animal therapy. I hope I cleared up some of the mis- especially with the terminology. Um, and again, go back and listen to that if you didn't get it the first time. It's very important to know that. And um, yeah, and, and and if it's something that you think would be beneficial, I, I, and honestly, if, you, if you're seeing a therapist right now, I'm always open with my clients. If they want to bring their their animals, as long as they're quiet and not disruptive, I tell them bring them. If it makes you feel more comfortable and makes you feel better bring them in. I'm all for that. I'm all for you feeling more comfortable in this process because it's hard enough for people to come to therapy, to make that decision, to talk about serious things. And if, if I can make it easier for them or their animal can make it easier for them, it's just a better thing for everybody. It's just better for the whole process. So yeah, ask your therapist, can I bring my dog or my, my cat or my bunny? You know, and, and yeah, most of them I would guess would be open to that. All right, folks, thanks for listening in. That is Animal Pet Therapy Part 2. We will be back again next Monday night at 8 o'clock. Check in on Facebook Live again. Interact with the show. Ask questions. Do all that good stuff. In the meantime, change your thinking. Change your life. Laugh hard. Run fast. Be kind. We'll see you next time.